What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. Y'all know that we have a video show, primarily video show, and we bring on dope guests and we look at different headlines in the world of education and all kinds of stuff. And it, it takes a while to edit that down and produce that and get that up on the YouTube channel. So we like to drop these passing periods in between those full episodes. And we use these passing periods to, to really hone in on one particular news story or headline or topic that we might not have talked about on the most recent full episode or, or that we want to talk about a little bit more. And Jeff, you know, the last, the last week or two have been completely, completely wild, completely nuts, uh, attempted to take over the government, um, all that impeachment talk, all this, just, it's a lot, Jeff. And honestly, this week, I would like to just like step away from, from, from politics and step away from controversy. And I would love to talk about something that's just, you know, straight up, real simple, no debate, no controversy, you know, something really agreeable that everybody's sort of on the same page about, you know, it's, you know, give me something wholesome, Jeff, something wholesome, something nice, something simple. So what are we going to talk about today? <laughs> well, first of all, Manuel, I'm going to say, even though it's a, a little bit preemptive here, um, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, you know, it's um, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite holidays on the calendar each year uh, coming up here in a couple of days and uh, an important um, moment in our nation's history to actually like pause and honor a person who um, fought for good in our world and justice in our world. And uh, it would be fascinating if he were alive to hear what he has to say about <laughs> these first few weeks of the year 2021. Um, well, Jeff, he did not want us judging people by by their skin color. That's Jeff. right. Uh, Martin Luther King, yes. would, he's very, he would be very anti-critical race theory and all totally. this leftist yeah, stuff, yeah. Jeff. I, I Read wonder... this one quote out of context. <laughs> I wonder what he would say about the content of the character of uh, Mr. Buffalo Helmet dude uh, who ran up in the in the Capitol. Like, man. like the, honestly, man, well, side note here, this is not the topic we're talking about today. But what is with crazy racist white people and their fascination with like buffaloes and stuff, man? Like, you know, they're all they literally well, like genocided the buffalo and the people who lived right. and relied upon the buffalo. And now they want to wear the freaking head like that. There's some weird Freudian thing going on with these people, man. This is weird. I'm I'm not an expert on that by any means. And folks, this is not the topic for today. So we're going to get to the nice, wholesome topic <laughs> that Jeff has for us. But but I saw something about, you know, the furs and that and all that has something to do with their white supremacist beliefs about Aryans and, and um, Valhalla and all that stuff. I think it, I think it harkens back to their 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 ideology around uh, white supremacy mm. and the, the ancestry of white people or something, wow. I think. I could be all the way wrong, but I was wondering too, like why do folks have these helmets and these furs and stuff? And somebody said it has to do with their Aryan um, ideology. So yeah, I could be wrong, oh, I don't know. Okay. but it's wild. It's crazy. It's It looks like cosplay, but it's like- Yeah, okay. Man. I need to get- Jeff, I said I wanted something wholesome. I, need, I wanted something you know, simple. I, so I just need to get better informed about uh, white supremacist mythology. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'll, yeah, man, I'll read work up, on man. that. On, I'll man. do some reading. Um, okay, so our, our wholesome, I mean, I, you know, it could be wholesome, depending on how you look at it. Um, topic for today really is about, in you know, in the state of California, we have uh, lots of budget news happening right now around education and California is such a fascinating place, Manuel, because everyone thinks of it as a liberal bastion and progressive haven of America and all this and that. 
California is still one of the lowest spending states in the union on public education. California has gone from having the, the, you know, the sort of shining pinnacle of public college systems in the nation to being one that cut itself off at the knees with low funding, right? Um, not that there aren't right. still wonderful institutions in California, but just, um, you know, the costs have gone up dramatically, the investments have gone down, and... Um, and here we are in the midst of this bizarre time where the economy, the real economy for people is in shambles, but the rich folks in California <laughs> have been getting paid off of the pandemic. And so instead right. of budget cuts, we actually have, at least in the short term, budget surpluses. And uh, we have, you know, a, a debate, a lively debate about the governor's proposed budget um, investing new investments in things like additional summer school for uh, for kids to address, you know, COVID slide and um, additional funding for special education, but a whole bunch of things. I'm I'm not all capturing right now, Manuel. But um, and then of course he has uh, a uh, an incentive program to try to get schools to open uh, for live in person instruction on or before February 15th um, and incentivizing with, to the tune of, you know, millions and millions of dollars, right? Schools to, to do that. Uh, billions, Jeff, $2 billion. Yeah, thank you. Good correction. I meant like two individual districts, right? But um, okay. but yeah, yeah, at the state level, $2 billion, right? So not a not chump change. And, um, and he's getting pushback from really the large school districts, the larger school districts like LA, um, San Diego, Sacramento, et cetera. Um, across the state. So there's a lot going on here, Manuel. Uh, I, you know, break it down for us here. Like, what, what do you think is happening? What does this mean for education? What do you see as the ramifications here? Yeah, well, for folks listening who are not in California and you're like, what do I care about California education budget? The answer to that is the budget is really wrapped around what's it going to look like when this pandemic is over. And we think, we, we know conversations need to be had about what does the post-pandemic, knock on wood, post-pandemic soon, hopefully, state of education look like and where should we prioritize our funding to deal with or address the challenges that the pandemic has brought to us with regards to children's education and ongoing ongoing learning. So so we think this this California budget proposal is, you know, a sign of things to come from from various states and various localities in terms of like where they're going to prioritize their funding to deal with the the I hate I hate the phrase but the quote unquote learning loss and how do we catch kids back up and 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 all of that and plus the two billion dollars in incentives to get schools to reopen at a time when the pandemic is at its worst so far in in California really speaks to the national pressure that there has been to reopen schools and get them going and this whole like belief that somehow schools, uh, you know, kids don't transmit the virus and schools can be open and, and all of that. So, you know, our little liberal coastal bubble that folks think is like some sort of like liberal uh, paradise is is far from that liberal paradise and it's far from a paradise and it's far from liberal. And um, we have pressure over here, just like just like other areas to reopen those schools and get kids back in there and, and, and all that. So we think there's a lot to unpack here. And I guess, Jeff, I want to start with just this um, this idea about this incentive. Now, explain to me, um, Jeff, 
if I am a parent and I believe that kids don't really transmit the virus and I, I want my, my kid to be back in school, here is the governor proposing incentives, meaning if schools choose to, to reopen in person uh, according to local health guidelines or whatever, then they could have this extra funding to support that process. To me, if I'm a parent who wants schools to, to open back up, that sounds great because that's like, you know, helping schools that choose to open and has this all this money for those schools. Um, Jeff, explain to me, like, why, how is this not a great thing? If, you know, if I'm a parent and I want my kid back in school, let's do this, let's go, let's run with it. Yeah, I mean, so look, on there's certainly a slice of folks out there who... Uh, have decided for themselves that whatever the risk around COVID for their kid, they're willing to take it, right? So for that slice of people, I mean, maybe it is a good thing, right? Um, right. Now, I think as, uh, as a profession um, of educators who, are, who would become not only the frontline workers in terms of just providing a service to families that they have been, would then become frontline workers in a, in a highly risky physical environment, right? In a classroom contained indoor setting with what we know for sure is extremely poor and inadequate ventilation. It puts educators on the front line of risking their own health, right? Um, the claims that kids do not spread COVID are contested at best, right? Like we've cherry picked yep. data to say like, oh, you know, we haven't seen a lot of, you know, a lot, a lot of spread coming out of schools. But like the reality is we haven't necessarily seen a lot of spread coming out of like Amazon warehouses either that we can like don't totally confirm partially because we have so much community spread that we can't and we have no contact tracing policy in place anywhere in this country. So we can't actually say <laughs> that they're, you know, yep. You know, apart from like a few major super spreader events, that big motorcycle rally in South Dakota and stuff like that, we can't really say with much scientific certainty what places are or are not spreading COVID uh, in, in our communities. We can say what periods of time have resulted in more spread than other periods of time because they were followed by large increases in hospitalization, right? So, um, so you know, I think there's, you know, what's... What is true about the governor's proposal here is that there are actually a significant number of families and there are righteous minded folks who are saying like, look, kids are falling behind, particularly a lot of the students with the greatest needs, right? Special needs students, English learners, um, you know, where we know that distance learning has been especially hard for them. And we can probably expect that means they have experienced less growth in this period of time than their peers, right? So that's, a, that's not a small thing to note. And we can say that the governor's speaking out of both sides of his mouth here. Because on the one hand, he's talking about, you know, we need assurances of safety. Um, and what this bill is gonna provide is funding for testing and things of that nature, right? So it's all about safety. At the same time, only, what is it now, 11 of the 50-some counties in the state of California currently meet yeah. the criteria that would be necessary to implement uh, his, his incentive structure. We got in L.A. County, uh, all the hospitals are effectively full. They're turning gift shops and stuff into ICU beds. They're, you know, hours-long waiting lines for people in ambulances to even get seen at a hospital. Hospitals turning yep. folks away. 
Um, you know, we got emergency morgues being set up um, in, a, in the city of Los Angeles, right? Because the, the, the morgues and coroners and stuff are, are, are mortuaries are overwhelmed. So like you can't talk safety and then look outside and see the deep purple map and see the bodies piling up and say like, oh, what we should do is just reopen the schools in the next, you know, uh, five weeks here. OK, so right. um, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling a bit now, Manuel. But uh, to me, this this is just it's crazy. It's crazy. It's window dressing. It's nice window dressing being put on a fundamentally flawed idea, which is it'll be a political win for Gavin Newsom and, and folks in that position to re to say they reopen the schools when the reality is it's educators who are putting their life at risk. And it's the elders of all the kids who go to school who who will die, because what we do know is that young yeah. kids are not the ones passing away from covid yet from what we've seen right yeah and all these you know speaking to the studies that you or the alleged studies that you mentioned when i say alleged studies i mean like yes they've been you know cherry picked here and there some are more reports than studies some are more preliminary information not released uh, a study that's been thoroughly analyzed and, and and all that but in any case yeah um those are all based on situations that are already in the past. Like we already have these variants passing around that are more contagious than before. So if you have this study that said, oh, it didn't really spread in the school or the school district or this area of, of whatever country, then it's like, yeah, but which version of COVID was that? Because now we got these these two other variants that are, are even more contagious. So now that study basically means nothing to me anymore. In any case, you know, a lot of the schools that are pointed to in some of these studies that, you know, s supposedly opened and they were fine are like in the UK. And now the UK is in its a uh, new full lockdown. So it's like, okay, you're talking about schools that currently are closed right now. So what does that mean? Anyways, um, I'm actually, actually a little torn on this, this um, incentive idea for mm. reopening. And the reason I'm torn is because for one, I, I don't like it for all the reasons that you mentioned. And for the simple fact that we are talking about According to you know his proposal, we're talking about counties that we only have 11 of them right now that have a, a case count that's low enough to actually reopen. So and then in my head, I'm thinking about this $2 billion and it sounds like it'd be going to places that maybe aren't being impacted as much by the virus in the first place. So LA County, where uh, you know we're the epicenter of the pandemic in California, and California is the epicenter currently in the nation, and our nation is the epicenter in the world. LA County can't even come close to these numbers right now. So it's like, okay, so this money isn't coming to the hardest hit place. It's going to places that maybe it hasn't hit as hard. And what kind of sense does that make? And in the way the his proposal had been presented, and folks, you know, he presented this proposal during winter break, it was like December 30th or something. And, you know, it would need legislative approval. So by the, at the time of this recording, it hasn't received legislative approval. So, you know, take that, you know, perhaps things have changed by the time you're listening to this. But in any case, uh, the way it's drafted, um, it's, it's offering $450 extra per pupil for districts that open up, but it's a sliding scale. So districts who have um, more students who are, fall under the category of, of low income and, and marginalized in some kind of way, um, the, it could be more than 450. So it could go up to, I think, 750 or 800 
per pupil. And supposedly that's supposed to be like the equity part there. Like, oh, districts that need even more based on their population get more. But it's like, wait, no, you're still only talking about districts that aren't hit nearly as hard as as others when it comes to this pandemic. So I don't like it for all those reasons. And the fact that it's based on studies that, you know, I think don't really um, aren't as relevant to the context of California right now. However, 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 the way I see it, it's going to come down to either governments are forcing schools to reopen. I've seen plenty of folks who teach in, in Georgia and other parts of, this, of, the, of the country where their district ha- or their state government has forced them to reopen or incentivize reopen. And if it, be- if it came down to those two choices, either you must reopen or here's an incentive. If you choose to reopen, I for sure would rather go the incentive route. So that's why I'm kind of like, well, if it came down to those two options, would I rather have a state government that's forcing us to reopen? Because I see teachers um, posting about having to teach hybrid or having to teach in person and how bad that is. Or would I rather there be some incentive? So it's like, okay, at least the governor's just throwing out an incentive and not saying like you must reopen. But still it's trash because all the folks out there who are pushing for schools to reopen, they could see something like this and be like, look, the governor's offering money. The governor wants you to reopen. What is your reason for not reopening? And it really just adds to the pressure for schools to get back open. And of course, Jeff, as you pointed out, that means putting putting educators at risk. And um, and that still hasn't been addressed to, yeah. to my knowledge. It hasn't been addressed exactly when teachers might get the vaccine in California. Um, what what um, you know? What are the safety nets there? If a teacher does test positive and they have to quarantine for 14 days or whatever, are, is that out of their sub days, their, their allotted sick days? Are they going to drain their, their allotment because they had to quarantine? Or is that, you know, come from somewhere else? There's so many questions yep. to still be answered yep. that it's just, uh, it's whack. Yeah, it's whack. And I'm going to, I'm going to take, I appreciate your very balanced, generous uh, interpretation of Governor Newsom's um, actions here and the folks supporting this legislation. I'm, I'm not going to be that generous to them. I'm going to say the, the, <laughs> the framing it as an incentive is a duplicitous, uh, is a duplicitous action. Duplicitous. It is a duplicitous action because, it, and you know what it reminds me a lot of, Manuel, actually, is the federal mm-hmm. race to the top legislation um, that, of course, mm. was Obama's signature education, um, you know, education law back in the day. Now, here's why I say that, because um, we know that schools function in a, in a financial environment of scarcity, where we, you know, we have insufficient resources to meet the demands of all the things that we ask schools to do, right? Feed the kids, educate the kids, get the kids glasses, provide counseling for the kids, you know, make sure they're not being abused, right? right? Like all the things that schools are asked to do, right? And so we underfund schools systematically, and then we dangle these carrots of like, hey, man, there's this $2 billion pot that you can get access to. All you have to do is these things. And by the way, some of that pot is providing funding for literally life-saving measures, right? Like establishing a testing program, which a lot of districts, particularly smaller districts, don't necessarily have the ability to fund themselves currently, right? The way that like Los Angeles has been able to. So, um, so I see it as, as like duplicitous. It is a, it's a coercive attempt to force reopening um, both politically from the standpoint of then the pressures now on the district, like why are you not getting access to all these funds that are out there? And from, uh, from the standpoint of knowing that districts need some of that funding in order to be able to work on a safe plan to reopen. 
Meanwhile, the yeah. poison pill in it is you got open by February 15th, which nobody in California, I mean, maybe there's rural counties I don't know much about, but none of the cities in California right now should be reopening schools right now, <laughs> given the COVID situation. And February 15th is about a month away. So, you know, this to me, it's it is. Yeah. You know, it, it's a super frustrating aspect of our of, of the political leadership around COVID right now, which is like yeah. we're not seeing the political leadership to give communities the resources they need to be safe. Right. Or the resources we need so that right. everybody can lock down and not lose their home. And we can do that for a month and then stamp out the virus. And then we can, you know, be like Australia, New Zealand and stuff. Right. And like go back to more normal life and just do contact tracing. They're not talking about funding that. They're just dressing up this. Let's get the kids back in school so the parents can go to work thing with you know, with with this sort of facade of like, oh, we're going to fund a few of these programs. I'm like, but that's not funding what we need to make it safe. It's just it sounds nice. So, I, you know, yeah, to me, it's much more sinister, I think, than than what you're naming, even though I get it right. Like we it's not cool what's happening with kids right now. And virtual school is trash, as you have eloquently said uh, in, in prior episodes. Yeah. <laughs> we should get a T-shirt. Uh, like virtual school Man. is trash. Man, well rusted. Um, <laughs> I, I would like that shirt, except somebody will probably point to it and see and be like, "See, that's why we got to reopen." Yeah. Even this teacher says it's it's not yeah. good. Uh, and the, and the learning right. loss, all, all man, the learning loss thing, dude. Come on, man. People don't care about learning man. loss. They don't. All it is, I forget who it was I saw on Twitter, man. One of our supporters that mm -hmm. was like, I think responded to one of your tweets and was like, oh, so they had they just had like two billion this whole time? And exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. what have they been doing with the two billion? <laughs> like, we've been out here exactly. asking for crow books and, and glasses and dentist appointments for the kids. And now all of a sudden you got two, a two billion dollars? Like, hmm. Yep. So you didn't care about exactly. learning loss until now you care so much about learning loss. Got it. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. You know, shout out to uh, Dr. Patina Love over the summer, the um, the Haymarket Books um, webinar on abolitionist teaching. She said something about how, you know, the things that they said were impossible before suddenly became possible during the pandemic. You know, laptops for every single kid and, and meals for every single family. And, and she said something along the lines of like, they played their hand. They showed that they were able to do this the whole time. And now we know, and now we're not going back. And this is one of those instances where it's like, wait, yeah, you had two billion, billion with a B? available to, to to support schools and and you held out until this pressure to to reopen it's like come on now we we see um we see what's being done here and folks that's that's why we must continue to demand big and dream big because things that that folks claim are not possible suddenly become possible when the political pressure mounts to you know do this or to do that so yeah it you know i agree with that all the way and speaking of california budget you know he he um the 1% have done really, really well during this pandemic. So uh, our California budget doesn't have the shortfall that was anticipated because those uh, rich folks in California, even though California is a, a, a socialist state that taxes them so much <laughs> that everyone's fleeing California, whatever, um, they they have the the tax base has been strong enough to to um, lead to a bit of a budget surplus and education funding. There's the education budget is is a record amount, eighty nine point two billion dollars total proposed, but a lot of that is for um, 
summer school for expanding the school year because the governor says that we have to quote unquote address learning loss. So address the issue of learning loss. So Jeff, yeah, I am, I hate hearing about that. I hate that phrase. Where was your concern for learning loss before? And also more summer school, more school year. I don't think that's going to address the problems of the pandemic, especially if that extra summer school is like, you know, wrote like, sorry, like drill and kill type summer school and all that sorry stuff that you see a lot of times like this. If we expand anything related to the school year, the school day, I need to see stuff that is like creative and enriching yeah, and addresses students, yes. uh, students, uh, particularly students, social and emotional needs in the wake of this pandemic. And, you know, to the governor's credit, he did set aside how much, uh, something like 200 million or something. I could be wrong on that. Some big amount of money to, um, support programs and initiatives that offer that sort of support for students, students dealing with depression and anxiety and things like that. So yeah, um, man, I just, part of me is just like, you know what? I'm just so ready for this pandemic to be over that like, you know, whatever, man, whatever, whatever the numbers look like, whatever the plan looks like, just, I need schools to be able to be safe places for students and staff to get back to in-person humanizing education. I don't want to rush it. I don't want to bow to political pressure from folks who are claiming that schools don't, uh, don't contribute to, to COVID spread. I just, I want it done right. And I just, I miss my students so, so much in terms of actually being in the same room with them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that 100%, man. Um, and, and I really hope that in, you know, in the push for like, we got to have more summer school, we got to do more stuff, that this does not just bring us back to the No Child Left Behind era of like, we got to stick kids in math and ELA test prep yeah, activities man. for way more time. I'm like, if we, yep. if we would need to re-engage kids, great. You know what we can do? Team sports, arts, theater. Uh, you know, like outdoor yeah. learning, right? Like um, physical yeah. education, clubs, right? Like that's the stuff they've been missing, first of all. Yeah. And, and like that's the stuff that's going to make them be like, this is fun and I like it and I'm yeah. connecting, right? And then when September yeah. comes around, we can, or August comes around, we can, put, you know, also do science and math and, you know, all the, all the yeah. core academic stuff. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I'm worried, man, they're going to like, they're just going to cram the crap uh, down kids' throats. Oh, you didn't, you know, we gave you your diagnostic assessment in May as soon as we could get kids back in the building. And we see your 3.6 levels below this and that. And now your your reward is the suckiest kind of school experience. <laughs> I'm like, we, yeah, man. we cannot let that be what happens with, you know, quote unquote, re-engaging kids and families in school. I absolutely want to see some some sort of safeguards against that in all these budget plans that might be coming out from different states. Um, you know, if you're listening to this from another part of the country, I'm definitely curious what what your state is talking about and whether or not you're seeing any element of of possibly safeguards against weaponizing learning loss by just you know doubling math, doubling English, having more and more testing. Like I don't I don't want that. So when the governor says here's all this extra money in California. Man, I just I don't want districts to to get this money and be like, okay, now we have money to buy all these extra online learning classes that students now they're in the school building, but they're on their computer clicking through this drill and kill like math curriculum or whatever crap is out there. Yeah, man. 
We shall see. We shall see. I mean, I guess for California, I guess the good news is that momentarily, at least for right now, we do have we do have um, education funding that hasn't taken a giant hit from this pandemic just yet. Just yet. You know, at least for this year. So. Yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 a positive. Yeah. Yeah, man. Indeed. All right. All right, folks. So. You know, we hit you with two passing periods in a row, and normally these passing periods come in between our full episodes, and normally these passing periods are only for the podcast listeners, because folks who catch us on YouTube, they see the full video production, and, you know, we don't we don't normally put these passing periods on our YouTube channel, but we might start doing some of that since we had two passing periods in a row. Uh, we very much appreciate y'all, and, and a lot of y'all have been asking how you could help, how you could support the show, and honestly, what we really need help with is just getting the word out about our show, like rating us and reviewing us does a lot to help us pop up in some some uh, educator searches when somebody's just sitting there who's like, you know, I want to get into some education podcast. Let me go to Apple uh, Podcasts and, and type in education or type in teaching and see what pops up. Like, we really need your help um, showing up in those, in those searches. And, and the way you can help us is by giving us that uh, five out of five stars. And if you have time, writing, writing a little review for us. That, that goes a long way. And if you are looking for um, ways to help us just financially, since this is our own um, two-person project endeavor and we're, you know, it's all our own equipment, our own, you know, time, our own effort, all that stuff, you could definitely go to um, aota.com slash support and there's some some options there between cash app and venmo and and monthly contributions we want to shout out and thank all of you who have who have contributed that's helped us out a lot during this during this distance learning pandemic era because of course we used to produce this show in an actual studio on a, on a school campus a really dope school a really dope school campus with a dope studio and uh you know we had to go out and purchase our own lighting and, and cameras and all that good stuff so thank you for all of you who have helped us um, with that and who continue to help us with that. Shout out to all of you. All right. We hope y'all enjoy three-day weekend. If you get the three days, we will see you next week. We'll see you with another episode of all of the above. Stay safe. We love y'all. Stay dope. Uh, we appreciate y'all. And now it's time for you to go ahead and get to class. <laughs> <laughs>